Welcome to another message from Bridge Assembly, located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information on Bridge, go to our website at bridgehelena.com. It is our prayer that this message will help you to connect with God, connect with others, and connect others with God. You guys doing good today? I hope so. All right. Hey. Let's dis- let's dismiss the kids. If I don't do that now, I always forget that part. So kids, you are dismissed. Adults, you guys are with me. Yay! We're gonna eat how many of you guys know you get a bulletin? Of course you know you get a bulletin. There's announcements in the bulletin. I'm just gonna do two announcements this morning. Um but it's, oh my gosh, who did that? Who did that? Yeah, that's, that's funny. That's pretty funny. So, so here's the deal. I, I'll just tell you a couple things about, obviously that was from Carol's service yesterday. Um, I was plenty overdressed, and I think some of the people who, who didn't know exactly who I was, I think they assumed that I worked there and I was a funeral director, um, and that's, that's okay. Um, but here's another interesting little thing that happened. When I got home, after all of it wound up, I, I drive home, I pull in my driveway, I get out of my driveway, I still I look just like that. I open up the door and I step in and tip it. My blue healer goes crazy, wanting to attack me because he thought some stranger was walking into the house. So every once in a while, you'll see me if, if it's necessary. But I also had people yesterday tell me, hey, you know what? When you do my funeral, you don't have to wear a suit. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. I don't know what all that means, but just, you know. Do you get your order in now? <laughs> well, I have a little card, you can fill it out. How do you want Jason to dress now? It was good. You can take that down now as we're going to go through announcements and everything. It's all fun and games. And, uh, yes. Oh, that's And there's a fly on the screen. Um, see that? Uh, and now, now I'm all diverted. And now, okay, two quick announcements. Two quick announcements. Truck or treat is coming up, and it's never too early to start planning for trunk or treat, right? So please get that on your calendar, obviously. It's the 31st of next month. I think that's a Tuesday. Um, it is from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. We need a couple things from you guys. We need trunks, right? So if you've never done a trunk, do a trunk. If you have done a trunk, you know how fun it is. And we also need lots and lots of candy. So, um, I don't know, is candy, candy's probably out at the stores already, right? The bags of candy. Um, Christmas stuff's probably out at the stores, for goodness sake. But just, if you're there, grab a bag, drop it off here. We love to have plenty of candy for the kids. And then, I guess the third thing would be to invite. Invite neighborhood kids, grandkids, kids of um, friends, whatever it is, um, we'll have this on, we'll, we'll do a Facebook ad for this and everything, but let's just continue to, to make this a great place, a safe place where people can come, um, and then of course introduce them to our church, and you never know, they might be, start coming to our church through a, through a, um, a trick, trunk or treat thing. Um, we, I'm going to dress up like a, like a pastor this Halloween. I'm going to wear a suit. And then all of you will get worried and say, whose funeral is it? No. Um, and then the other announcement I want to throw out, that, that that fly is bugging me. Um, do you guys see it? He's right there. Dave, can I, can I use your guitar to squat in? Um, obviously today is last Sunday's after service. Um, if you're here visiting, um, if you've never been to a, 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 one of our last Sunday's potluck, please stay. Even if you didn't bring anything, we always have plenty of food. With that being said, please look at your, um, your 
bulletins. See, I'm flustered. And uh, see what else is going in there? We have a legislative update as well. And I'm going to get that fly. Well, you're... I, I'm going to grab... What? I know, right? You can step up here so when I... When I, I guess i got to be way yeah, up here. Yeah, probably not. All right. Um, Senate Bill 99, the sponsor was... I got it. I got it. Thank you so much. That was bugging me. Me too. <laughs> All right. So Senate Bill 99 by John Fuller, provide for a Youth Health Protection Act. This would block puberty blockers, transition surgeries for minors 18 and younger. The governor signed it on April 28th. The um, plaintiffs for the transgender community, of course, filed their lawsuit. And the bill would go into effect October 1st, so they are in a righteous big hurry to make sure that we don't ban this for kids. And so I got this out of the newspaper. I didn't just type this up myself. Attorneys for two transgender youth and healthcare providers made their case on Monday to stall an upcoming ban on gender-affirming care enacted by the Montana legislature earlier this year. The plaintiffs argued letting the ban go into force would harm transgender youth by denying them the health care that reduces anxiety, depression, and suicide, which is outsized in that population. I can think of no better example of irreparable injury than to be forced out of your own home state by your elected officials because they're attacking your children. Melita Picasso, an American Civil Liberties Union attorney representing the plaintiff, said during Monday's hearing. And our attorney, Assistant Attorney General Michael Russell said, children are impulsive by nature and are inclined to seek immediate gratification, that adolescents find it difficult to contemplate or comprehend what their life will be like as adults and that they do not always consider the long-term consequences of their decisions and actions is perhaps a statement of the obvious. Russell also contended the question posed to the judge was a political one, arguing that the voters elected the legislature and that the legislature is the branch of government to enact such policy. The state's interest, Russell said, is to protect children from experimentation of gender-affirming care. The judge added he fully expects his ruling on the injunction to be appealed regardless of which way that decision falls. He directed the parties to continue working toward trial next year during that appeal. On a personal side note, these children that are going through these surgeries are confused. 60% of our transgender community commit suicide as of today because the changes that they think they're going to get by changing whatever it is they changed, it doesn't make them happier. We have doctors that are affirming this. We have school officials affirming these. We have parents that are pushing this, and we need to pray for them because these kids don't know any better. Once they're 18 and older, they can do whatever they're going to do. And in Montana, we do have surgeries. Missoula, specifically Blue Mountain, does transgender surgeries, and the puberty blockers that these kids are put on is a lifetime commitment. Lifetime. They can't change them. Once you chop off certain parts of your body, you can't never get them back. So we need to pray for these people. It just makes my heart because I see these kids and they're so confused and they don't know what to do and their parents are trying to make them happy and it doesn't make them happy. Thank you. Guys, we gotta we gotta take stands in in certain areas, and this is one of those to protect kids and and uh, there's a lot of confusion out there, and it's not just in this um, segment of the population. There's just a lot of people that are deceived and they're they're confused, and that that deception and that confusion comes when you don't understand your identity in Christ. You know, they're seeking something. That's innate within us. That has been put into us that we, that we seek something, that there's something different in this life, that there's something more to this life. Well, the confusion and the counterfeit comes when, when this type of, of uh, lifestyle and change is, is pushed upon them. Um, it's, it's, it's ironic as well that... that uh, 
that we are not repealing drinking ages, right? Why can't the young people just choose when they want to drink or not, or, or to buy marijuana, or, or to enlist in the military, or any of those things? Um, you know, you have to be 21 to buy a handgun. Why? Why? Because they know you have to be to at a certain age to have that responsibility, and yet there's, a, again, a segment of the population that wants to say a, a seven-year-old can choose his gender, something that's going to change his life forever. So please, we've got to combat this with prayer. Um, we have to combat this with wisdom and, and standing firm and, and teaching biblical values. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you for continuing in prayer for, for all of these things. It's, 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 incredibly, it's incredibly tragic, and it's, uh, it, it's nothing in our lifetime that we would think we would have to see or deal with, but it's right here on our, on our, own, on our own doorstep. Man, that boy, he is saying amen and hallelujah, and I like it. All right, four ways to give. Of course, we have four ways to give. You can give online. You can text it, you can do the giving boxes, you can mail it. What an awesome, just an opportunity to, to worship God and, and a, um, a, a biblically accurate um, part of worship and, and our life. And we, we do that within the balance and the, and the parameters that, that God and the, the writers of the, the, the Bible have set out. So if you're not giving, I would encourage you to try it. If you are giving, you know exactly what I'm talking about, that it's so nice to, to, to just take your hands off your finances and your bank account. Now, that doesn't mean we're irresponsible, but we're saying, God, you are the Lord over all parts of my life. What a better way to live life. Wouldn't you agree? Amen. All right, let's get rolling on this message. I will... Well, we'll say this is, this is probably, if not the fastest, one of the fastest messages I have ever written in my time in the ministry. Um, it was as if the Holy Spirit just gave it to me and it just flowed out and I couldn't barely keep my poor little fingers moving fast enough. And as I'm writing it, I'm, God's ministering to me and I'm, I'm looking and I'm studying, and it, it was just it was just an amazing time coming out. That being said, it is probably going to be a challenging message to us today, but I know we're up for the challenge. So let's pray for this time that we have together and this message. Father, once again, we love it. We love being here on Sunday mornings. We love being with each other. But most of all, we love being with you as your church, as your, the brothers and sisters in Christ come forward and they, they look to you for guidance, Lord God, but we also, we also come together in worship. What a, what a great combination. And Lord God, your ways are so much better than our ways, and your ways are so much better than the world's ways. So help us to just step away from everything today, to just let, let our defenses down, let everything just drop, and help us to understand your word and your teaching. And Holy Spirit, guide us in this time. With that being said, Holy Spirit, allow me to speak only those things that you would have me to speak. If there's anything else, if it runs contrary to your word, anything, Lord God, shut my mouth, turn me off, quiet, quiet my voice. Because Lord God, we, I don't want to misrepresent you in any way, shape, or form. And Holy Spirit... I once again pray that everybody that has entered into this building, entered into this sanctuary, Lord God, let them be changed in some way or another. Don't let them leave today the same way that they came in. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And everyone shout it out. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's get going. So as you guys know, we are, we are still... Continuing on 
with this series on the book of Colossians, one of, one of the shorter books of the Bible, one of those books that you can read through relatively quickly. I always say, hey, if you wanna, if you wanna just read an entire book of the Bible real quickly and get a lot out of it, Colossians is a great one. But then sometimes I wonder if I tend to go too slowly when I do a series on, the, on a book of the Bible. You know, it's kind of it can be kind of a joke. Oh, pastor's going to start a series on on a short book of the Bible. How long will that take? Two years. Um, but when I get in and I and I get to studying Scripture and I, I kind of do that deep study of the text, it's, it's just there's so much in there that is actually relevant for us today. So instead of just learning about a book of the Bible, I presented in a way that's, that's challenging and that, that helps us in our life today. At least that's my intention, that's my goal, that's what I try to do. So with that intention in mind, I do hope you're learning a lot about this letter to the Colossians, and I hope you're being challenged in such a way in your own faith that it pertains and applies into your own life. Now, you're taking the principles that we learn and not just seeing the history of, of this book of the Bible and what was going on in the Colossians church, but you actually take that and you say, hey, that's relevant to me today, and you apply it. That is my goal, and that is my goal today. Now, I assure you, that the only way that we will not get through this series is if the rapture happens. And then we won't really care, will we? That being said, it might take us to the new year, but we're gonna get there. And my hope and my prayer is that each one of us will have grown in their faith through this. So stick with me, hang with me. Today we're going to be looking at some interesting verses. So let's open ourselves up and let's just see how, how what we learned today might be applied into our lives. Once again, quickly we'll remind you of the, the, the basic reasons that Paul is writing this letter. We know that it's for the supremacy of Christ, but we also understand that, that he's making these points that Jesus is central and supreme to all and in all things, especially the church, but in all things. Number two, Jesus is the Son of God. Such a basic statement, but one that we need to be reminded of. Number three, we are to strive to live a life in Christ. So knowing is not enough. Applying is a must. And we take those and we make them personal, hopefully in our prayer life and, and in our conversations and things. And we have to understand and, and, and affirm this. Number one, Jesus, you are central and supreme to me in all, in me and in all things of my life to Jesus. I believe you are the Son of God. It's important to speak that out. Jesus, I will continually um, and constantly strive to live a life in you as my Lord and Savior. Important things to affirm, to speak, and to live out. So uh, let's quickly touch on where we have been because it pertains to where we are going today. Paul has brought up and taught on some very important points. We've looked at them over the last several weeks. Here's a quick reminder. We talked about the warning, the deity, the humanity, and the completeness, all of which, by the way, support the supremacy of Christ. And then we went uh, um, into our need to understand the principles of, of spiritual circumcision, the forgiveness of sins, and the victory over the forces of evil. And then this all came together, and it tied, tied us in last week to learning about the spiritual truth and the ability to walk in Christian freedom that is extended to every born-again believer. There is a Christian freedom that we are to be walking in. There's a Christian liberty that we are to be walking in. This doesn't mean we can do anything we want. It simply means that the yoke and the bondage of, of this fallen world, as well as the shortcomings of the Mosaic Law, right? The Mosaic Law could never be perfect because Jesus hadn't come yet. He hadn't died on the cross yet. We take the yoke of Jesus upon ourselves and we begin to walk in that Christian freedom. We have to understand that principle. And if you didn't hear last week's message, it was a vital one. And you need to listen to last week's 
message. It goes through all sorts of things, but the implication into our own lives and the freedom that we walk in, but also the compassion that we have on others. It's a balance. We need to understand that. So if you didn't catch last week, catch last week. See, Christian freedom allows us to walk in the freedom that Jesus brought, bought and paid for on the cross. And we've got to understand that, and we've got to live in it. It's what the world is looking for. And we've got to be examples of that. So as a Christian who professes to be Christian, we can't, allow us, we can't be putting ourselves under bondage again. That's a bad example. It's a confusing example. See, it allows us to no longer be under the Mosaic Law, but also it allows us to, to never be under the standard of any man's religion. And I think you guys know that there's, there's man's religion out there that tries to heap things upon us that were never meant to be heaped upon us. That's what we are free from. So don't allow yourselves to be put under this. Because of this, we are, we are not to allow anyone to, to judge our faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior um, upon their standards, right? Well, if you were truly a, a Christian, then you would act like this. Or if, if you really knew Jesus, then you wouldn't do this. Um, there's the standards of the Bible. Those are the standards that we follow. Sometimes we can get down and, and we can allow people to judge us for our faith and they're not, they're not doing it in a productive way. Right, they're not doing it in a biblical way. They're doing it to, to condemn us or to confine us, to, to sway us to their way of thinking. We need to be aware of those things. And when we have that Christian freedom and that Christian liberty, of course, with that comes the, the responsibility to, to live in that balance I was talking about. We're walking in freedom, but also walking in relationship with him and therefore doing the things that he has asked us. Remember last week we talked about how it's, uh, it's much easier to bring somebody into fellowship and talk to them about Jesus than to try to argue them to Jesus or try to condemn them to Jesus. So we have to, we have to understand that. See, when this is our goal and we are purposeful in our life and our actions in regard to our relationship with, with Christ and the freedom that he extends to us, we become bearers of the fruit of the Spirit. And that's what, what we need to get to. We need to bear that, the fruit of the Spirit. And when, and when we bear the fruit of the Spirit, we, we naturally live out a more holy life. How can I, how can I be a better Christian? Well, well, it's about relationship with Jesus and, and, and bearing the fruit of the Spirit. And then everything else kind of follows that. So, that. so the tenets of the Ten Commandments and the teachings of Jesus become a lifestyle that we actually live out, rather than a list of do's and don'ts, requirements and regulations. See, in Christ, we do the right thing because we want to, not because we have to. That's the Christian freedom that we are living in. Nobody wants to be in a religious system that, 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 that takes away all our decisions. Many people in false religions and cults are, are stuck in there, and there's a lot of brainwashing that goes along with that. But when we truly serve Jesus, we get to that point where we want to live a righteous life. We just want to. Not because we're fearful. Not because we're afraid that the pastor's going to find us and pull us aside or anything like that. We do the right thing because we want to do the right thing because Jesus lives in us. See, this is an important concept to take with us into these next few verses so that we, we don't misuse our, our Christian freedom in any way. And I say that because it's, it's vitally important to ground ourselves on biblical principles that we find in the scriptures, despite whoever may be trying to lead you in a slightly different direction. And, and make no mistake, those people out there that, that, that are maybe straying from the Bible, they're, they're usually just trying to, to, to introduce a slight deviation to you. Because most of us in here, if they came out with their full agenda, we would say, absolutely not. That is not biblical. 
But if they can worm their way in just a little bit, and they can cause that just that slight deviation, that slight doubt, and that continues to grow, then we're distracted. We're following something that we shouldn't be. So let's take a look at some scripture. We're going to read two verses back to back today, and then we're going to break those down. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Colossians 2. Today we're going to be in, in verses 18 and 19. It says this, Let no one defraud you of your prize, your freedom in Christ, and your salvation by insisting on mock humility and the worship of angels, going into detail about visions he claims he has seen to justify his authority puffed up in conceit by his unspiritual mind and not holding fast to the head of the body, Jesus Christ, from whom the entire body supplied and knit together by its joints and ligaments grow with the growth that can come only from God. Again, I, I, I look at this passage, you know, verse 18 and 19, and, and, and honestly, I don't know how many times I've read the book of Colossians, but, but so many times if I'm on a reading plan or I'm just like, man, I want to read that book of the Bible or whatever, these two verses are two that, that seemingly you can just skate over, right? Because there's other things going on here and, and we just read fast and we get through these, but we never, we never slow down and we never really dissect these and, and, and gain a greater understanding of why Paul needed to write verse 18 and 19. So that's what we're going to do this morning. And to be completely open and to be upfront with you today, I want you to understand that I do not seek to offend anyone here this morning. That's not my goal. I'm not going to tell you uh, what books to, to avoid or what books to read. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to call out any preachers or prophets that you may listen to. All I want to do today is, is really instill the importance of checking everything against Scripture. And I say everything against Scripture, regardless of who said it, regardless of who wrote it, regardless of who preached it. Because here's the deal. No human being is above reproach despite who they are or what they have done when it comes to to preaching scripture or teaching on scripture. No, no man is above reproach. And no man should seek to be above reproach. If it's the truth, then it's the truth. Only those who are preaching something contrary to the truth have something to worry. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what title they represent, be it pastor or author or theologian or bishop or doctor or prophet or priest or apostle or evangelist or pope. Please just understand my heart and where I'm coming from this morning. Now aside from Jesus himself, most of us would agree that Paul was the greatest theologian that ever lived, right? Um, he not only knew the scriptures, but he, he also had a humility in his life and a desire to listen and be led by the Holy Spirit. So, so for us today, this whole series, this series on Colossians, it's, it's on a letter or a book of the Bible that Paul wrote. So for us today, Paul's writings that make up so much of the New Testament, it, it's, it's part of the authoritative Bible, right? But before there was an organized Bible, Paul would teach in person. Paul would write letters. And he was conveying the exact same truth that we know today. However, for those in Berea, Paul's name, his title, even his reputation was not enough for them. Let's, let's look at an example we find in Acts 17. Acts 17, 10 and 11, the brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they entered the, the Jewish synagogue, which was typical and normal. Now, these people were more noble and open-minded than those in Thessalonica. Thessalonica. 
So they received the message of salvation through faith in the Christ with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Paul said it. And it made sense to them. And it was something that they were going to, man, they were ready to believe in it. They were ready to receive it. And, and they checked everything against Scripture daily to make sure these things were what we would call biblically correct. They did this because they knew their faith was their own and that they had a responsibility in their faith to be a gatekeeper of what they would allow into their life. Each one of us must be our own gatekeeper. This is so incredibly important. This is so vitally important. If we want to to have a faith, if we want to live out a faith that is true to the Bible, to the biblical standards, we have a responsibility upon ourselves. It starts with us. We have to be a gatekeeper of our own faith. And then as as, um, the head of our households, we we have to be a gatekeeper as we are the head of our households. And, and, and for me, as, as a pastor, God has placed a responsibility upon me that I'm a gatekeeper of this church, of this congregation. But it comes back to each one of us. You could say, oh, well, if pastor's the gatekeeper of our church, then that takes the pressure off me. No, it does not. You have a responsibility, just like those in Berea had a responsibility. For goodness sakes, it was Paul. And he was teaching them. And they said, that's great, Paul. We're going to think about that. Can you give us just a few minutes, a couple hours here? Because we need to run home. And we need to check this against the, the scriptures, the biblical standard at that time, which was the Old Testament. We need to check your words against, against this, this scriptures that we have over here. That was Paul. I'm no Paul. So check my words against scripture. Anybody who you allow in to speak into your life, anything that you listen to, just because it's on Caleb doesn't mean it's you fill in the blank. Just because this pastor said it, just because this book said it, check it against scripture. See, a good gatekeeper checks everything against scripture. Daily, if needed, so as to see if these things are so. Let's go back to our text in Colossians. Verse 18 brings Paul's third warning to the Colossian church. The phrase goes like this, Let no one defraud you of your prize, your freedom in Christ, and your salvation. A more understandable translation um, within the the Greek language and really the context of of this passage would be let no one act as an umpire against you, right? So we all know what an umpire does. In a a game, you submit to that umpire. If it's a football game, if it's a basketball game, if it's whatever, you're submitting to that, that umpire and it's their rules. You are judged by their rules. Well, well, Paul's coming back here and, and really he's saying, let no one act as an umpire against you in your faith. How we might say it today would be something like this. Let no one judge you or deny your claim to be a Christian based upon unbiblical standards. Now, now Paul writes in other places where, where biblical standards, it's okay to, to um, judge the, the brethren based on biblical standards. We, we judge people by their fruit, right? What was going on here, though, was something that was very different. They were setting standards and then judging by those standards that they were imposing. If it's not in the Bible, throw it out. Amen. Now we combine this with the rest of verse 18. 
Let no one defraud you of your prize, your freedom in Christ and your salvation by insisting on mock humility and the worship of angels, going into detail about visions he claims he has seen to justify his authority, puffed up in conceit by his unspiritual mind. In the Colossian church, there were those who claimed to be more spiritual. Their goal was to place themselves above who they deemed as spiritually inferior. This connotation was based upon standards that were being imposed by those very false teachers who were seeking to gain authority and a following in the church. It was, it was very much, I am here, I have had a special vision, and now I have something you can only learn from me. So let me enlighten you. Don't, don't consult the scriptures, because this is, this is outside of the scriptures. This is something that I personally have received from, from God. And this is something that is required for your spirituality. So, so listen and, and follow me because I am the only one who has this more complete understanding of God. Unfortunately, that sounds familiar. Sounds like something that we sometimes hear all the time. Again, under the ambiguous umbrella of Christianity. See, if I'm in a place where my spiritual hunger is disproportionate to my desire to be a gatekeeper, whether it be to a, due to an eagerness, an apathy, a naivety, a, a fear, or just thinking that there must be more, this is all going to sound pretty good. Right? I'm going to open the door and, and the things these people are saying, it's going to sound pretty good. And I, and I think we can all see that, that this is absolutely um, the model and the basis for, for Mormonism and, and Jehovah Witnesses and such, right? Mormonism is completely based upon these, these, this man and, and, and this council, and they've had a special revelation from, from God himself that is outside of the Bible, and they, and they take that in that direction, and they create a, a whole um, religion. Jehovah Witnesses, there's so many out there that have done this. David Koresh did the same thing, Right? Listen to me because I have received something extra and I know what it is. Let me teach you. Follow me and I will help enlighten you. So we see it in Mormonism and Jehovah Witnesses. But as Christians, as Christians, we are much too solid in our faith to allow anyone to sway or to mislead us. Right? until we're not, because after all, that new book, that new book that someone just gave me, it has a lot of good points. And that new preacher I found on YouTube, man, you should listen because he is saying some pretty good things, good points and good things that I really like hearing because they're ticklish, aren't they? Those words, I like them. Oh my, that could change my life now. That could alter my life now. It could be amazing. And, and, and you know what? They're using, they're using really good words. Good words like prosperity gospel. And they're conveying ideas like we should be healthy all the time and, and never sick. Or that I can claim decree or speak something into existence that a life of rigid legalism and self-persecution will be pleasing to God that hyper grace gives me the, the, the liberty to do whatever my heart desires or even that hell is not real 
and, and a good God, a good God would never send anyone to a place like that. And I'll be the first to admit, all of these things sound pretty great. I can be rich, never sick, telling God what I want and speaking it into existence, doing whatever I want because after all, grace has me covered. And besides, everyone will go to heaven anyway. I would say to that, yes, please. Can I have some of that? But is it biblical? Because it doesn't matter what you two or the latest book or the latest movement or the latest revival says, if it doesn't submit itself to biblical truth, it's nothing more than what we see happening here in the Colossian church. Someone puffed up in conceit by their unspiritual mind who seeks to lead others away from the real truth so that they can have their own following. Again, I don't seek to offend anyone here. But if that offense that you may be feeling right now is present, please make sure it's not really conviction coming from the Holy Spirit. Be eager to learn and be eager to grow. But be just as much a gatekeeper in your own faith. Paul's words in Philippians 4 are good ones to follow. Philippians 4, 5 through 9. Let your gentle spirit, your gracious, unselfish mercy, tolerance, and patience be known to all people. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious or worried about anything, but in everything, every circumstance, every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, continue to make your specific requests known to God. And the peace of God, that peace which reassures the heart, that peace which transcends all understanding, that peace which stands guard over your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus is yours. Amen. Flip that slide. We got more. Finally, believers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable and worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, underline that. Confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute, if there is any excellent, if there is anything worthy of praise, think continually on these things. Center your mind on them and implant them into your heart. The things which you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things in daily life. And the God who is the source of peace and well-being will be with you. Paul, Paul is saying, hey, consult the Word. It's in the Word. I'm following the Word. So mimic me. Those things that I teach, those are the true gospel. Those things that I don't teach, that's somewhere else. That's why we need to be a gatekeeper because there are too many people that are preaching a false gospel to gain your attention to to gain your 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 following and we need to come back to the bible and we need to come back to being our own gatekeeper in our faith now if you noticed the list of good things that we just went over those things we like to hear about being healthy wealthy and unaccountable see those are all me things those are things that I want boy that would make my life that much easier and those are the things I truly want in my life but what happens if those things don't line up with God's will and God's plan in my life Will my wants and my desires cause me to seek teachings and churches that will satisfy my itching ears? That's a pertinent question. That is an important question to be asking because it's happening everywhere and every Sunday. 
People are saying, boy, I, I, I kind of want to find a church that, that tells me I can do this and it's okay to do that and that, that this will happen if I do these things and, and all of this stuff. And, and boy, I don't, wanna, I don't want a church that challenges me or, 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 or brings things to the Bible and Paul's teachings out because, man, Paul's teachings, they're pretty raw. Man, they're pretty upfront. Can't we just have a fun day at church? Can't we just have an easy day at church? It would be so much easier to go to a church that's fun all the time, that's easy all the time, and people are doing it all the time. I don't want to hear a message about having to be my own gatekeeper. Do you know how much time and effort that would take in my life? I want somebody else to just tell me how it should be. I want to read a book that tells me how it should be, and then I don't have to take responsibility of my own faith. That is not a biblical message. We got to grow up, and we got to understand we're not playing around here. Let's be the gatekeeper of our own faith. Let's check everything against Scripture. Listen closely here. No one wants to live in poverty. No one wants to to live in sickness. No one wants to feel like God is not hearing them. No one wants to, to face the reality of a loved one going to hell. Those are hardships that can bring heartbreak into people's life. But many times it's those same hardships that God uses to bring us closer to Him. And that we must never trade for anything. So don't let anyone divert you or distract you from the thing God wants to do in your life. Even our hardships and heartbreaks are used by God for His glory. I want to touch quickly on Paul's mention of, of the worship of angels within the, contest, the context of this, this letter. If, if you guys remember back when we talked about the, the supremacy of Christ and how these false teachers in the Colossian church were propagating an idea about angelic mediators. Do you guys remember that? Um, what they were essentially doing is they were trying to, to say that, you know, Jesus is real and everything, but he's in charge of stuff over here. And there's all these angels that are pretty much equal in responsibility, but they're, they're responsible for all these other things, you know, so Jesus doesn't have to bother with them. They were, they were attempting to, to bring this teaching about, about these angelic mediators. And, and really what they were trying to do is they were trying to relegate Jesus to a specific position and not supreme over all. Um, if you missed that, you can find that in part six of this series. This is a continuation of that idea. If the false teachers were teaching that there were angels or angelic mediators equal with Jesus in those areas that they were in charge of, right? And then their claim, um, these false teachers were claiming that they had a special vision from these angels, then all of a sudden these false teachers would have had validity, right? They can bypass Jesus and say, well, Jesus isn't in charge of everything. This angel's in charge of what I'm teaching you now on spirituality. So don't consult Jesus because the angel gave me the vision and the revelation, and now I need to pass it on to you. You need to follow me because you need to be more spiritual, and without me, you can't be more spiritual. See, if people bought into that, then it would give validity to these false teachers. The problem is, is that Christ is supreme. And that is why the main theme of Colossians, as well as the entire Bible, really is that Christ is supreme. Let's finish up with verse 19. Verse 19, And not holding fast to the head of the body Jesus Christ, 
from whom the entire body, supplied and knit together by its joints and ligaments, grows with the growth that can come only from Jesus. So now um, Paul is really, he's addressing the, the, the false teachers here. And, and really, if you go back, it seems as if Paul's addressing one specific false teacher, as he says, he or this person. But really, um, Paul's addressing all the false teachers, not just in the Colossian church, but all over because they are not holding fast to the head of, they're not holding fast to Christ from whom the entire body supplied and knit together by its joints and ligaments grows with the growth that can come only from God. So Paul is showing us here really why the false teachers were, well, false teachers. And within this explanation, we are affirmed in our own relationship with Christ as well as with the body. See, we can't separate the head from the body. In your relationship with Christ, you shouldn't be trying to separate the head with the body. Oh, I love Jesus, but I hate church. Paul's saying, no, you can't do that. And this was a problem back here, um, and that can be a problem on both sides. Here's what the false teachers lacked. They lacked connection with Jesus Christ through a born-again relationship with them. They didn't have it. Therefore, they were not a genuine part of the body being knit together with other believers. They had set themselves aside, right? Because they, they, they wouldn't submit to Jesus. They wanted to do their own thing. I think we can see that's happening um, a lot now. See, that's what they lacked. So we can take this understanding and say, well, if that's what they lacked, then from that we can deduce what we need to be um, with an understanding of what we need. And that's simply this. What a purposeful, purposeful pursuit in our life and what we need to do. Connection with Jesus Christ through a born-again relationship with him. That's what we need to do. Period. Everything has to be secondary to that. We have to pursue that born-again relationship with him, growing in Christ as a genuine part of the body, being knit together with other believers. It's vitally important to be a born-again believer that's in church, being knit together with other believers. You're not going to tell. You're not going to hear me say, "Hey, as long as 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 long as you're saved, go do whatever you want. Go go live on the mountain alone," because I don't think that's biblical. You have to have Jesus to get to heaven. He's the only way to heaven. But what is Jesus's plan? The church to be knit together with brothers and sisters in Christ. Jesus is the head. He's always the head. And we are to be an active and growing part of the body. It has to go together. It's his plan, and it keeps us safe, right? Can you be connected to Jesus and not be connected to the body? I guess the real question there would be, why would you want to be? Because if we go all the way back to the beginning of this message and we say, hey, you know, we do the right things because we want to do the right things, not because we have to do the right things. Well, we go to church and we're connected with the brothers and sisters because we want to be, not because somebody's saying we have to be. See, it's the difference in mindset. It's a difference in heart set. Now, can you be connected to a, a body, a ministry that is not connected to the head, right? That is not connected to Jesus? I would say to that, absolutely. And that's where you get exposed to false teachings. That's why choosing a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church is so vital for each one of us. So make sure... You know what the church believes before you are willing to submit to the covering and the teaching of that church. I don't know how many times I have had this conversation. People find out I'm a pastor. They want to bring their laundry list of issues that they have with the church they're currently attending. And I'm like, man, if you have an issue 
you have to understand that you're submitting to the covering of that church and that teaching. Therefore, you don't really have that opportunity to come to me and complain about it while you're in submission to it. If you have concerns, don't talk to me. Talk to your pastor about that and then make a biblical decision upon where you need to be part of a body. We make things so complicated. We take our faith and we, we, we get so lazy with our faith, that we don't check anything against the Bible. We rely on other people, but then when they say something that we don't like, we get mad at that person or that church and we want to run, right? What fickle people we are. What lazy, apathetic people we are. You've got to be your own gatekeeper. And you've got to be checking everything against Scripture. Worship team, you guys would want to come up here. I want you to hear me when I say this, so please listen closely. My job is not to say what you want to hear. That's not the kind of pastor I'm going to be. My job is to preach the word. My job is to challenge you. And my job is to help equip you in your faith. And in so doing, I'm telling you right now, you need to be the gatekeeper of your own faith. If that means that you need somebody to disciple you, find that person. If that means you need to be discipling somebody, find that person. If that means you need to turn the TV off, if you need to silence the video games and all the noise of the world and get in your Bible and begin to read the Bible, then so be it. If that means to, to, to take your Christian books and stick them in a box and open this Christian book, then, then do it. If that, means, if that means turning off some of the, the, the church services and YouTube pastors or evangelists or prophets that you watch, then to do it. We're not messing around here. Time is getting short. We were reminded yesterday at Carol Shope's memorial. As with every memorial, we have to begin to contemplate our, our own mortality, our own passing. We don't know what tomorrow holds. I can be doing 10 funerals in the next two weeks. We don't know what God has planned for us. What we know is that we serve a good God. And we know we serve a good God because it's in the book. And we know that we're supposed to seek Him because it's in the book. And we know that we're supposed to bear the fruit of the Spirit because it's in the book. We know that there's things that we are to avoid because it's in the book. We know that there's teachings that's dangerous to us because it's in the book. But we got to be in the book. Now remember, Truth does not fear the darkness. Truth does not fear the darkness. That's why no pastor, prophet, evangelist, or so-called apostle can, can live above reproach. Check the scriptures. I'm not intimidated by that. In fact, I want you to do just that. Truth does not fear the darkness but the darkness flees from the light. We shine everything with the light of truth. And we gain a better understanding so that we may not be diverted, that we may not be misleaded, that we may not let anybody come in and umpire our faith in Christ as judged by the sinful worlds or their humanistic religion. Check everything against the Bible. Now, I am fully aware that this isn't the feel-good message. I'm fully aware that this can be a very challenging message. 
all of us within our lives have allowed things into our our life that, that we shouldn't have. Before we were believers, we did that constantly, didn't we? We just kept allowing things we shouldn't have in our life. We just kept bringing it in. And then we became believers. We were so in love with Jesus. We fell in love with the scriptures. We couldn't get enough of the scriptures. And then sometimes something happens where it's like, oh, but, but what about this? Let's add this. And, and let's listen to this. And let's add that. And sometimes we, we, we start saying, oh, sparkly stuff over here that I need to be chasing and put the Bible behind us instead of in front of us. We stop we stop checking everything against the Bible because we become comfortable within our own faith. Let me tell you, the enemy truly does prowl around like a like a hungry lion to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to kill your faith. He wants to steal your faith. He wants to destroy your faith. How do we combat that? We combat that through the Word of God. We combat that through a, a relationship, a grounded, wholesome, hearty, healthy relationship with Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We seek be, we seek the Spirit's counsel, also His wisdom, and also His discernment. What the church needs today is more wisdom and discernment. I am convinced because far too many churches and Christians have allowed um, things that again are just a little bit off. Just a little bit off. Just like in the Colossian church, it started with me and just a little bit off. But then it grew into something that absolutely had to be addressed for the good of the faithful believers. Amen. Of course, we're going to open up the altars today. If you want to pull the lights down, we're going to open up the altars. If you have allowed things into your life that, that maybe run contrary to the to the true teachings of the Bible, to, to Paul, hey, he says, live my life the way I live my life. Follow me. There's some specific things in here in the American church. It doesn't so much like the way Paul lived his life because we're a prosperous nation. And there's so much better ways to live. But are those biblical ways? For some people, they might be in specific situations. But as a general statement, we see Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible. Sometimes in our lives, hardship does come. Sometimes in our lives, sickness does come. Sometimes in our lives, poverty does come. Will you allow that? challenge you, to teach you, and to be used for the glory of God. See, the God of the Bible, the scriptures that we read about, ultimate healing and things like that, well, well, Carol must not have had enough faith if she was never healed from this disease. I want to tell you right now, she's received ultimate healing this disease. See, we mess things up. We think, what's, for it? what's, in, what's in it for me right now? right now. I want it right now. I want healing right now. I want prosperity right now. I want a life of ease right now. And Jesus is saying, man, you're missing the point here. That eternity with me is much better than anything that those people are trying to promise you. So if you've allowed any of that into your life, I want to invite you. We all need to repent. God, help me to be the gatekeeper of my own faith, my family's faith. Help me to be that. Help me to focus on your Bible and the biblical truth. Help me to have a desire to check everything against Scripture, no matter how great it sounds. And let's all just pull back to the simplicity of the gospel. It's a simple message. It's not an easy message, but it's a simple message. And Jesus is saying, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Stop being diverted and laying that other junk upon you. So if we can do that today as we worship, if you need prayer, we've got people who pray for you. If you just want to come to the altar and bask in the glory of God, if you just want to worship up here, whatever it is, we got time. Man, there's so many crock pots down there and they keep the food warm. It's not going to get cold.
people, don't leave here today too early. Don't, don't prematurely eject out of church before God does what He wants to do in your life. Amen. Let's leave here with a different perspective being a gatekeeper within our own faith. Let's pray. Father, oh my. Father, thank you for, for your scriptures that challenge us. Lord God, you created us and you know us better than anybody. And Lord God, you know the corruption that sin brings into our lives. And Lord God, you know that, that we love to chase the shiny things. We love to, to hear the things that tickle our ears. We love the easiest way possible. And Lord God, within that understanding of us, you know that for us to change, it usually requires a challenge. It usually requires us to come to the end of ourselves so that we can fully rely upon you. And that's what we want to do today, Lord God. We just want to take a step back and we just want to say, right, wrong, or indifferent, I am giving everything in my life to you. Now as I check it against Scripture, Lord God, give me the wisdom and the discernment to move on from where I am so that I may be closer to you. And if that's your prayer today, God hears that prayer. We pray that with humility, but we pray that with urgency. Let's worship Him together. And let's affirm the authority of the Scripture in our life and our relationship with Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Amen. As we enter into worship. This concludes today's message. We hope you can join us next Sunday for services beginning at 10 o'clock a.m. at Bridge Assembly located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information about Bridge Assembly, go to bridgehelena.com. And we hope you can join us next Sunday with Pastor Jason Metz.